Welcome everybody to today's Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. I hope you're all getting back into the swing of things into uh, the 2022 and everything that it means for us. If you're listening to me on Spotify or on iTunes, I really hope you duck across to my website at some stage, iloverealestate.tv and get all of my charts so you can see what I'm talking about when I say the market's doing this or the, or the interest rates are doing that or any of those other things. The reason I do these podcasts is because I want to make you more intelligent. I want you to make better decisions. And when you make better decisions, you get better results. So look, I'm, it's on my website. I, there's, it's on my YouTube channel. Um, if you're on the YouTube channel, make sure you subscribe so that you can tell me, a, you know, you get your comments and let me to cover anything that you want me to cover. I really enjoy reading all of those. And of course, on Spotify and on, uh, on iTunes as well. So let's get into this week's property, Intelligent Property Investor Masterclass. What are we going to be covering? I want to cover the five big winners in property for 2021 because uh, there's a number of groups of, of people out there that fared very, very well in 2021. I want to talk about why Aussies are in the shadow lockdown but the, and why retail spending is likely to bounce back pretty strongly. There's also seven reasons one economist is, is uh, talking about in particular that I want to share with you as to why the, he's very optimistic about the, uh, the economy ahead and what's, what we're likely to see happen. And, you know, there's a lot of truth in, in at least a, some of those which I want to share with you. Why the global inflation has some economists worried but why the RBA will sit tight on its hands all through 2022. So let's start with this shadow lockdown. What's a shadow lockdown? Well, the thing is a shadow lockdown is when we're not locked down, we're not locked up, but we're acting as though we are. I mean, look at the shelves. Everyone's out there still buying uh, you know, all the, all the um, toilet paper and they can't find chicken on the shelves anymore and all this kind of stuff. So we're acting as though we're going into this massive lockdown, but there's no lockdowns around. So it's called a shadow lockdown. Now, the effect that that has is that the confidence um, has, has been a little bit unsure, but the underlying confidence is still really strong. It's hurting the uh, the, empl the employers and the business owners, but they're hanging in because the business confidence is seeing through that. Now, because of the, you know, the situation where we've got people in isolation and, you know, they're a, a close contact of someone and all of those things, it's exacerbated the supply chain. And that's really why, you know, we have the, the empty shelves, that on top of all the, the shadow lockdown behaviour of trying to stock up on everything just in case you might, you know, miss out on your favourite cut of chicken. Um, when we actually look at, though, the, uh, the Westpac Card Tracker Index, you can see there that spending is down. Obviously, we had an upward surge on, in spending to get into Christmas, but January's been pretty poor. And, you know, that, uh, that downturn obviously is affecting a lot of the businesses. Why do we need spending? Well, the reason we need spending is because it keeps the economy ticking along. So, you know, the money goes around and, you know, everybody gets paid and everybody has a job and everybody spends and comes in and spends and comes in. 
So that creates a, you know, the activity in the economy. If everybody just sat on their money, actually the economy would die. Now, at the moment, we have not a lot of new money coming in uh, from overseas. We don't have the tourists and all of those sort of things. But what we do have is a very strong balance of trade. We are profitable as a nation. We export more than we are importing. So that is the way that we're actually getting new money into our economy. But internally, we're slowing down in the spending stakes. And you can see here, this is the card activity by state, and it's across the board. All the states are doing it. It's not one state in particular. All the states are having the same uh, flow-on effect. So it's, uh, you know, it's broad-based. And then you've got announcements like this by ANZ, where ANZ data shows that spending is now at its worst since Delta lockdowns. And Sydney spending for the week for the week 5 to uh, f the January the 5th was at its weakest since covid began caution about omicron uh, transmission and disruptions of businesses due to staff shortages are central to the decline and that pretty much sums it up for the people in isolation because they're a contact or they've got covid or the fears of getting omicron because it's so contagious, uh, that's stopping people from going out. They're not, you know, they're not socialising like they normally do, and you know, that's that's having it's a flow-on effect into the the pockets of the businesses, and spending's not just not happening. So uh, hold on. The the general advice is to the from the banks is to hold on for a few weeks because they feel it will turn around. We're looking at uh, you know peaking apparently in the um, in the case numbers and all of those kind of things. So the it's a short term blip. It's not something to be concerned about. <coughs> um, ANZ uh, Roy Morgan Australian Consumer Confidence starts 22 on a softer note as Omicron surges. Consumers are confident about their own financial circumstances, which points to a rapid rebound in sentiment once health outcomes improve. That's pretty much the story. And you know you can see that by the number of jobs being advertised. Businesses are still very confident going, we need more people. Uh, and there's a lot of industries that need more people, in fact, We've opened the borders to um, short-term visas coming in because we simply haven't been able to staff a lot of the uh, a lot of the industries adequately uh, with the people we have here in Australia. So unemployment is down, vacancies are down. Uh, you know, there's there's it's really uh, it's a <laughs> if you want a job right now, you you'll have one. You may not have it in the industry that you want to be in. You may not have it in your dream job. But if you want a job right now, you've got one because there's plenty to go around. Job ads are through the roof. And, uh, you know, we're seeing a, uh, a surge in, um, in, in the need in a lot of industries. And, and, and employers are getting back to increasing their employee base, not decreasing. You know, this guy here, Shane Oliver, he's, uh, he's one of the, you know, head guys in AMP, in the AMP economics. And he's given us seven reasons why he thinks that the, we should have great optimism in the economy at large. And then, of course, that flows through to the property market. The first one on his list is that coronavirus 
could finally be moving from a pandemic to an endemic. You know, the uh, severity of everything seems to be getting a lot less. It might be contagious, but the severity of everything gets a lot less and uh, perhaps, you know, there's not as many people dying and all of those other things. Excess savings of around, in the US, $2.3 trillion um, and in Australia, $250 billion will provide an ongoing boost to spending. So that's just how much I was, you know, I've talked about in, in previous sessions, just how much the, um, you know, the, the general population is saving because they're not taking those overseas holidays. They're not, you know, spending it on, on uh, a lot of things that they would have normally. A lot of it's going back into property to build pools and extensions and renovations. Some of it's going into cars. Um, but, uh, you know, and standard of living and things like that. But the reality is a lot of it is going into paying down mortgages, paying off credit cards and into offset accounts uh, in our savings. And, you know, that's, that means there's a lot of money flushing around. In fact, $200 billion at the moment in individuals' names in just savings that we've never had before. His number three reason is that while the, that should say Fed, not Feb, while the the Fed, there's in the US Federal Reserve, and the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, monetary policy will tighten this year. It will still be easy. Uh, it's usually only when policy becomes tight that it ends the economic cycle and the bull market, and that is still a very long way away. Uh, inventories are low, so we just simply don't have enough stock and uh, we'll need to rebuild that stock before we start to see any, uh, you know, any easing in the, uh, in the property surge. Now, I'm talking about property, but the same applies in a lot of other industries as well. The number five is we're, we're looking at uh, the positive wealth effects from the rise in the share and home market, uh, which will obviously help uh, increase in consumer spending, although we're not doing it this, this month, but we will eventually. Number six is that China is likely to ease policy to boost growth. I mean, they've really had a pullback uh, where they stopped manufacturing steel and all sorts of other things. And the reality is that that, will, that, that too will pass. And uh, when that gears up, there's going to be a lot more demand for the resources. And whether they're buying it from us or whether they're buying from somewhere else, they're buying it from somewhere else. Whoever was buying from somewhere else previously will then be buying from us. So, uh, you know, roundabout ways, it's still a good thing for us. And while the business surveys are down, so, the, you know, the, there's lots of surveys running around and all those sorts of things um, from where they were before, which were very, very high, uh, they remain strong and consistent with good growth. So everything's kind of ticking along. So what does all of that mean? What it means is that house prices will remain strong for quite a bit longer yet. And we haven't even opened the borders to international migrants yet. Imagine what's going to happen when we open those borders. If we're already in over-demand and under-supply and we've got problems with our supply chain of being able to produce enough to meet the demand, imagine what happens when we have international migrants coming in. And believe me, they will. In fact, I think they'll come in in numbers much greater than we saw pre-COVID because the government's going to want that in order to pay for the, the $4 billion a week that it's actually printing right now. 
So where are they going to go? Look, the majority of them are going to go to Sydney and Melbourne, but they filter out all around the country. And that's going to have, again, another upward pressure on house prices. Is inflation going to eat up the world? Ah, the big word for 2022 is inflation. So let's have a look at the charts because inflation is rising in some uh, countries, including America. Supply chain disruptions remain uh, and labour markets are tight. Some central banks are have rising interest rates in response and rate hikes will still look like a long way off for Australia. Here's the charts to prove it. See, this is the American chart showing inflation. This is the five-year inflation for, uh, for the US. And as you can see, it's rising along, you know, quite substantially. This is their 30-year. That really puts it into perspective. It really shows you just how much the price hikes in the US have, have um, you know, really played out. Because when you put that back to the 2000s, you know, the year 2000, you can see it's much, much higher than it has been before. <clears throat> now we have a look at the inflation surprise, and this is really again it's a um, you know it's it's a it, the G10, which is the the big group of the Western countries. It's happening right across the board, so inflation's going up right across the board, um, and that's going to have an effect of eventually rising interest rates. Inflation expectations versus the federal funds, you can see it for yourself the inflation figures are way above where the expectation is for federal funds. So all that means is that we are going to see um, interest rates or pressure on interest rates across the board, right across the, the, you know, the, the Western countries. Why isn't Australia so concerned just yet? Look, they are watching it, but the thing is our inflation rate has actually been a little bit weaker than some of the other countries. And the big problem at the moment is the supply chain. You can see there the supply chain disrupts, uh, disruptions remain and labour markets are tight. So um, this, is the, this is the thing in Australia. We've got, uh, we've got so much, um, we've got so much uh, over demand and under supply. And, you know, when you've got ships and containers and things like that costing us more for anything that we import... Um, sure, the, the inflation figures are going to go up. They definitely are. Does it mean, though, that it's, a, that it's something that the, the Reserve Bank has to rush out and increase interest rates for? I don't believe so. You know, I think we're going to see a steadying period of time before we start to see interest rates go up. I mean, unemployment has, is, is very low and it's, you know, it's, it's great, but what it means is we actually haven't even got enough staff for the jobs that are here right now. This is a, uh, you know, this is just a bit of a chart of how, um, you know, Americans dreaming of, a, of an early retirement. Well, most of them probably aren't now. <laughs> most of them are looking at, uh, you know, working for a significant amount of time, a little bit, little bit more so. There's a tightening um, in the monetary policy, which means that the central banks will start to rise interest, uh, raise interest rates across the board, as I said. But when you look at it in perspective of where Australia sits, with the uh, CPI, which is the Consumer Price Index, which is an indication of inflation, we are not the highest, you know. We're not the lowest, but we're close to the lowest. 
So this is why Australia is, is not under as much pressure as places like Germany or, um, or Canada or the US or even New Zealand, South Korea. You can see the ones that are right up there, the EU. They're the ones that are copying the pressure far more than us. We, we are relatively low on the scale and that is why I don't think it's going to be a rush for the Reserve Bank of Australia to be pumping up those interest rates. Um, Wages, we will start to see some wages growth though. Uh, wages have been down for a long time. We haven't seen uh, increases in wages since, well, I mean, we started to see some peaking at 2017 before APRA got themselves involved and started to kill the economy. And then we had a, an actual decrease in um, the, you know, the wages index. And it's only now that we're starting to see a little bit of that increase. It needs to happen. We're going to see more strike action throughout 2022. We're going to see more, you know, um, uh, industrial bargaining for wages and all of those sorts of things. But they do need to go up. And uh, that, until that starts to happen and starts to cement, I don't think we're going to start to see interest rates um, move just yet. Now, the... Five big winners of, uh, of uh, property for 2021. This is according to Paul Ryan of uh, PropTrack. Let's have a look at what they are. But before I get there, you've got to consider that the fact is that property prices last year went up by over 22% in 2021. And, uh, you know, that's a considerable amount. We're not as high as New Zealand that has gone up over 30%, uh, but we're certainly up there. More than 300 suburbs have hit uh, the million-dollar median house price, which is the highest we've ever had. So the first winner, after saying all of these houses have gone to over a million dollars, is actually the first home buyer. Why? Because of all the handouts. Because of the masses amounts of handouts that were given for first home buyers and then the builder's boost and all the other bits and pieces, and you could access some of your super... Uh, they were a massive winner through last year just to be able to get into a home when previously they haven't been able to. And you can see there, we haven't seen you know, percentages like that since 2009. And that was straight after the GFC. So similar things, similar policy. It's just history repeating itself. It's to be expected. Number two is detached housing. Now, I've been saying this for a long time. There is more money to be made in housing than there is in the unit market, even though the unit market is quite affordable at the moment. Um, but you want to be making sure that anything you buy in that space is not the forty dollars to $80,000 overpriced off-the-plan rubbish that they're trying to sell with rental guarantees. Uh, that's not where you want to be. The housing market where you've actually got a piece of dirt you can do something with um, and without the controls of body corporate and all the other things, that's really been the big winner. And it's detached housing, as in single houses, that have actually uh, grown the most. We do have a bit of a playing around in the luxury unit buyers, the really top-end stuff with massive views and waterfront and all of those sort of things. Um, so, uh, you know, there's a there's a, the, um, there's a little bit of a, a turnaround there, so unit price growth. Um, so the most, you know, the most expensive means that uh, you know, there, there's more money around, basically. The regions, um, we've seen huge growth in the regional areas. Um, and we haven't really seen a uniform growth in regions like this since the, end of, you know, the beginning of GFC. 
So those regions have done very well. And if you saw, I think I showed you last week, I showed you how um, regional Tasmania actually went up by nearly 30% last year. Absolute crazy stuff. Um, beach appeal. Everyone wants to be near the beach. Everyone wants to hang by the coast. Everyone wants their holiday shack uh, somewhere on the water and all of those things. So that has had a massive, massive upturn as well. And I think you all know it, you all feel it. It's really a matter of making sure that all of you have as much footprint in the market as you possibly can. Because this year, we've still got a, a significant upswing in pricing. We've It may not be as big as we had last year, but heaven forbid if it was. Um, but it's still going to be very good growth across the board. So I want you to, to be smart about your decisions. I want you to start setting some goals. I told you this last week. Put pen to paper. Uh, make sure that you write down what you actually want. What are your top five goals in the money space for 2022? How much passive income do you want to create? How much wealth do you want to create? How much debt do you want to pay off? Start writing these things down. And once you've done that, if you've got your top five uh, goals for the year, commit to it. Feel it. Don't just, uh, don't just do it on an ego base. Really commit to making it happen. And when you've done that, the next move after that is to let's just stop the confusion. Let's just stop saying, oh, I do I do this? Do I do that? Do I do whatever? The next thing you do is jump on one of my free 60-minute real estate breakthrough sessions with one of my advisors. Now, we don't sell properties. That's not what it's about. But we will talk to you about how we can help you. You know, we can show you how you can start to put business plans into place that you can start to follow and kick those goals, actually achieve them, achieve that passive income figure or the debt reduction figure or whatever it is. Now, if you click through, um, it's iloverealestate.tv forward slash questions forward slash. And all you've got to do is uh, select one of the times that we've allotted, write that in your diary, make sure you turn up because... Um, my advisors are going to be there on time. You know, you don't want to waste their time and yours. Make sure that you, uh, you know, you get the benefit out of it. And the best way you can do that is come armed with your five top financial goals. So that's it for me this, this week, guys. I hope you've enjoyed this quick little update and uh, I'll catch you again next week. Bye for now.